how do you recognize the contributions and achievements of such a diverse group of individuals who reside in the United States, but also globally? On today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about Hispanic Heritage Month. Hello and welcome to another episode of Inscribing Inclusion. I am your host, Jocelyn Armstrong. On today's episode, we are going to explore National Hispanic Heritage Month. This is a U.S. observance that was created to celebrate the achievements and contributions of Hispanic and Latino people in the United States. In doing so, it celebrates the histories, cultures, and contributions of these people and their ancestors from Spain, Mexico, the Caribbean, and Central and South America. This observance occurs from September 15th through October 15th of every year. And it first started in 1968 as Hispanic Heritage Week under President Lyndon B. Johnson and was then expanded to the 30-day period that it is now by President Ronald Reagan in 1988 and was enacted into law August of that year. The dates for this observance, the fact that it overlaps two months on the calendar, come from significant anniversaries of independence for several Latin American countries, that being Costa Rica, El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, and Nicaragua. That's on September 15th. Additionally, uh, Mexico and Chile celebrate their independence days on October 16th and 18th. And then um, Dia de la Raza is celebrated on October 12th. It is important to note (laughs) that, again, this is a U.S. holiday. And so there are some individuals that live in the United States who will celebrate Hispanic and Latino Heritage Month, and some will not. Some will instead celebrate the Independence Days upon which this holiday was established. The the Independence Days that were kind of the foundation for this particular observance to be created. For those of us who are not of Hispanic and Latino descent, this month is a great time to learn more about our friends, relatives, and neighbors who are of Hispanic and Latino descent. It is what I will what I will categorize as a surface entry point into learning more about the varied, diverse, and vast culture of folks from Central South America, Mexico, um, and who have Spanish heritage and and Latin heritage. Before I go too far though, since I've set up what we're going to be talking about in the month that we're celebrating and how it came to be, I want to define a few terms to help set the tone for the conversation. So Hispanic and Latino are phrases that are often used interchangeably but they actually mean two different things. 
Hispanic refers to people who speak Spanish or are descended from Spanish-speaking populations, while Latino refers to people who are from or descended from people of Latin America. And when we say Latin America, we're talking about the geography of Central and South America and the Caribbean. And those languages that those folks speak are derived from Latin. Um, so that includes um, Portuguese and other languages. Some folks can have Spanish and Latin descent, depending upon where their families are from and their familial uh, makeup and lineage. Latino uh, or Latina would, refers to male or female persons. There's also a gender neutral term that is Latinx or Latine, um, depending on who you're with and how they say it. And so I just wanted to make sure that we pointed out those very specific terms and that they don't mean the same thing. Um, Hispanic actually came about as a part of the 1970 census in the United States. I also want to point out that there are some people from Mexico or of Mexican heritage who refer to themselves as Chicano or Chicana instead of Hispanic. Um, while they speak Spanish, they are very clear about acknowledging the fact that much of their heritage is native or indigenous American or because of the fact that Mexico is a part of North America. And they are very clear about identifying themselves based upon that indigenous culture and indigenous heritage. It's important to point out here as well that when we're grouping people in these broad categories of Hispanic and Latino, it encompasses a whole big wide world and a whole lot of different countries and similar and dissimilar cultures. So it would behoove us who are not a part of these groups and familial origins to learn about individuals and learn about the respective cultures, observances, histories that they come with. Because someone who is from Puerto Rico is not the same necessarily and did not have the same lived experiences as someone who is from El Salvador. Um, someone who grew up in the Dominican Republic probably possibly does not have similar upbringing and cultural and familial observances as someone from Guatemala. So it's important to consider that as well when we're learning about folks of Hispanic and Latino origin. So I mentioned that Hispanic and Latino Heritage Month gets its dates and is based around some very important independence anniversaries in Central America and the Caribbean. And September 15th, 1821 is kind of a day that kicked it off. This is when Guatemala declared its independence from Spain. And it's just three weeks after Mexico had won its freedom. So the Guatemalan um, colonists, I should say, 
noticed that Mexico had some newfound stability under their ruler, and then they um, annexed themselves to Mexico. Uh, mentioning Mexico, they um, had their Independence Day, and it was in August. It was. It is not Cinco de Mayo. Um, that is often a confusing point for some folks. There was an important historical battle that took place in May, but the actual Mexican Independence Day is in the fall. That's when um, Mexican Independence Day actually occurs. Joining with Guatemala uh, was Nicaragua, who commemorates its independence or the act of independence of Central America on September 15th. Nicaragua didn't actually have to fight a war to become independent. Um, but it did become a part of the first Mexican empire. And then Honduras became independent from Spain in 1821, joined up with Mexico, but then declared independence from Mexico in 1823 and joined the formation of the United Provinces of Central America. El Salvador um, also marks September 15th as an important holiday in its national history. Uh, because they too declared their independence and their freedom from Spain in 1821 in unification with its neighbors, Guatemala, Honduras, Nicaragua. Costa Rica did not have to fight for independence, but when Guatemala declared its independence, um, Costa Rica joined in. They were actually already in a, an autonomous Spanish province um, at the time when when the Guatemalan independence kicked off the kind of the domino effect in that region. And then Chile uh, actually first declared its independence in 1810 on September 18th. So a bit ahead of Guatemala and the other countries, uh, Chile was um, under Spain's control, um, and it, it was a result, I should say, of like French armies invading Spain and the Spanish monarch Ferdinand VII being um, captured, and there were some revolutionary activities <laughs> that resulted in the Spanish colonies because of that. So that's a bit of the history of how we even in the United States get to this Hispanic Heritage Month. What we have to acknowledge and should continue to acknowledge that there are hundreds of thousands of people, millions of people um, in the United States who have Hispanic and Latino familial heritage, even more around the globe. And these folks look and live and thrive and contribute to the globe in, in a number of ways. I had the wonderful opportunity of having traveled to the Dominican Republic and to Costa Rica, uh, two very different countries in the Caribbean where the people do speak Spanish. If I remember correctly, they speak very fast Spanish and I am a elementary level Spanish speaker at best um, and certainly had a little bit of trouble catching up and keeping up with the conversations 
when I did not have someone around to interpret for me. But when you see people in the, in the Dominican Republic and in Costa Rica, uh, the Dominican Republic particularly um, has influences from the African continent because there are Afro-Latino people who are there. They are both descended from African peoples and uh, the Latin and Hispanic cultures that merge in those Caribbean island spaces. And Hispanic and Latino culture throughout the Caribbean and throughout the diaspora period are well known for art and music and food and the written word, poetry and novels just a rich history of so many things. I encourage you, particularly during this month of observance, to find ways to learn more about Hispanic and Latino culture and individuals. We know about people like uh, Celia Cruz, and we know about people like Carlos Santana and Cesar Chavez and so many others who impact and influence both American culture and the global culture. Um, we often eat food from these different spaces. We are, have been known to eat Cuban food and food from Mexico and various dishes from the Dominican. We know that rice and plantains and different types of sauces and salsas are a part of this diasporic um, menu, if you will. We know that music, like salsa music and um, merengue are a part of this culture. There are so many wonderful ways that we can learn about Hispanic and Latino friends and neighbors and really celebrate what we learn from these respective cultures and it goes beyond um just food it goes beyond music it it encompasses art and language and the written word there are hopefully festivals and parades and museum exhibits in your neighborhood in your community in your city celebrating hispanic heritage month i'm going to share a link uh, to the smithsonian that has some resources about videos and um, exhibits and stories of inspiring Latinos and Hispanic individuals that I believe will be very informative for you. I will also share um, a video from the BBC that talks about the origin of the terms Hispanic and Latino and what they mean. And I encourage you to just spend, again, time digging more into the stories about these fights for independence in Central America 
and what that meant for those folks and how instructive it can be for those of us who maybe did not grow up learning about these things or learning about these groups of people and what they had to do to gain freedom. I encourage you also to find uh, what I would say firsthand sources. So read books by Hispanic and Latino individuals, watch documentaries produced by them. There is also a podcast I recommend called Latino USA. I've mentioned it before. It is one of my favorite podcasts and it is a great way to learn about Latino individuals in the United States and how um, some of their immigration stories shape their upbringing and their childhood, how their contributions to the United States as well as their communities back home have made this world a richer and better place. And I also encourage you to spend time when you're learning about these historical moments to think about the people that you interact with daily or weekly. Um, does your circle of friends include someone who is of Hispanic or Latino origin? Or um, do you have good conversations with them about what that means and how that has shaped their life? Do you even take the time to stop and make sure that you are understanding of the differences between someone who is Puerto Rican, someone who's Dominican, someone who's Mexican, someone who is from Nicaragua or Guatemala. Um, again, that tendency that we have, that temptation that we have to kind of like lump folks into groups and under one big banner um, sometimes erases some of the very important characteristics and life lessons that we can learn from them because we don't dig into the fact that they are from, or I should say descended from countries and people who have very different experiences and cultural practices. So be sure that when you're talking about um, Hispanic and Latino people that you are considering whether or not they're Cuban, whether they're El Salvadorian, um, what all of that means in how they show up in the world. And use it as an opportunity to learn, listen, watch, observe. Um, don't just be a voyeur, but instead become a good neighbor and friend and someone who is deeply interested in learning about other people. So it's a quick episode. Just wanted to hit the highlights and kind of pique your interest in an observance that happens here in the United States and a group of people that you might not know or I should say groups of people that you might not know a lot about. And with that, stay tuned for one last thing. And now it's time for one last thing. I noticed that it's getting harder for me to pick just one quote or one highlight from each episode. So today I have three. Considering the diverse, large, fantastic group of people, or groups of people rather, that this episode focused on, I think it's totally fine to have more than one quote. And so the first one comes from Cesar Chavez. 
Sacer was a labor organizer and civil rights activist, uh, a native of Yuma, Arizona. He actually is the, uh, or was the grandson of a man who immigrated to the United States in 1898 from Mexico. And um, several years after that, purchased uh, a farm. And so uh, Cesar's work focused on agricultural workers, and he co-founded with Dolores Huerta the National Farm Workers Association, which eventually merged with another organization and became the United Farm Workers Labor Union. And so Cesar once said that preservation of one's own culture does not require contempt or disrespect for other cultures. The second quote comes from Carlos Santana. If you are a fan of music, you know that Carlos Santana is a guitarist who rose to popularity in the 1960s and remains a popular music musician today. Carlos is a native of Otlan de Navarro in Jalisco, Mexico. And he said the most valuable possession you can own is an open heart. The most powerful weapon you can be is an instrument of peace. And the last quote comes from Julia Alvarez, who is an author, poet, and native of the Dominican Republic. Julia once said, the point is not to pay back kindness, but to pass it on. Be sure to like and subscribe to Inscribing Inclusion on your favorite listening platform. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram at Inscribing Inclusion and on Twitter at Inscribing Pod. And if you feel like you just need to send an email, inscribinginclusion at gmail.com is where you can reach us.